don't mind me. Just dusting off my microphone from all the dust that's been collecting over the past <laughs> probably six weeks. No way, it's been that long. I think, what's the date today? 28th or something? I think it's been at least five. Dang. Uh, anyway, hello and Welcome to episode 41 of the Restoring Human podcast, where we believe humans were designed to flourish. Unfortunately, many modern conveniences have prevented us from thriving, but through intentional lifestyle decisions, we can return to an optimal state of health. I am your host, Jarek Bakken. I'm Dr. Alex Aguello. And today is one of those topics that we have been hinting at for probably since episode one that we know a lot of people will want to talk about and hear about uh supplements what's a supplement uh it's a number of different things um i think the basic definition would be any sort of um, nutrient that the body can take in and use that would be in addition to what you're getting from food um, or drink, I guess. Um, so that'd be vitamins, minerals, you know, antioxidants, protein powders, all the different stuff. So in addition to food, yeah. um, I guess that's a, that's a great place to start. What's, what's like the purpose of using any type of supplement? I think there's a, a few different purposes, and I've somewhat kind of changed my perspective on this, I guess. Um, I used to, to think that supplements were only required when you had some sort of deficiency sure. in, a, in a particular nutrient. So let's say vitamin D. Um, I'm sure we'll get into specifically about vitamin D later, but let's say you're deficient in vitamin D. You don't have enough vi- vitamin D in your body. Your body's not doesn't have enough vitamin D to, to carry out all the functions that are required mm-hmm. that require vitamin D and you're not getting that from food or vitamin D I guess was somewhat of a bad example because you're also supposed to get that from absorbing summer sun rays right. but you you would then take a supplement a vitamin D supplement to make you sufficient then in that particular nutrient um, and you're saying this is this is kind of the the view that you maybe used to hold yeah. Or still do to a degree. Yeah, I 100% still hold that. That's, that's the main reason for, for taking supplements. But now that I've got into more of a kind of understanding of what's called functional medicine a little um, better, mm-hmm. um, I would say it's more most of the people that I'm recommending supplements to is because, yes, they have a deficiency, but it would also, because their body is such in a bad spot and needs a lot of healing, so that we need to kind of go over and above what would be considered sufficient in these particular vitamins because um, we got a lot of catching up to do. So in some ways it's still a deficiency, but um, we're not like doing some sort of testing on them and then saying, here's the exact amount of vitamins that you need to get you back to where you need to be. It's, hey, we're just going to give you a ton of vitamins and then let your kind of your body work that out. So it's more of a therapeutic thing sure, um, for people now, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so I guess... The, the the idea that, okay, we're deficient in something, our 
regular diet, our regular lifestyle is leading to a state that is less than ideal. Yeah. And so that's that's where you're saying, okay, now we can like add something into that that is lacking. Right. Because, you know, supplements in any form are, you know, in the course of history, a very, very recent right. thing. People used to live their life and thri- survive and thrive without a bottle of pills or 20. Right. Um, but so what you're also saying now is that there's not only when we see deficiencies and kind of like rebalancing some of those things, we're actually in a state where we are so far from health that we need to like really tip the scale even heavier on this other side of adding in stuff that's super, super, super beneficial and in yeah. So yeah. It's like let your body sort out the excess. Right. Yeah. I mean, and even some of it is, so if you take like a vitamin C, um, there's a need for vitamin C in our body um, because our bodies don't convert it. They don't make it out of just other, other food that we're eating mm-hmm. very well anyway, where other animals like a tiger doesn't need vitamin C. You know, they don't need to eat oranges to get vitamin C, Right. They're con- they're very good at converting vitamin C from other other nutrients. Was, was a tiger just the first animal you thought of? Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's the only one I've ever heard it talked about. Um, so now you made me forget where I was going with that. <laughs> so we need vitamin C. So there could be a deficiency in vitamin C. Um, but there's also a lot of research out there that shows, like somebody specifically with cancer that cancer cells can be treated mm. with vitamin C therapy. Mm-hmm. So there's also this, and I think that's stuff that we're still learning. There's some, there's a uh, a part of these nutrients that are just required for our body to just function normally. But then some of these nutrients also have other functions where they can go and then now treat something or, you know, kill something if something needs to be killed. And that's where a lot of the other stuff, not necessarily vitamins and minerals, but like herbs and mm-hmm. antioxidants and all those different things come in which you would still consider supplements like we're not right. just talking about vitamin a vitamin b right like there's when, we, when you talk about supplements it's literally kind of your first statement anything outside of the whole food diet that you are consuming right yeah so the route that you kind of started to take here is um, talking about, I think when people have some sort of issue they're trying to resolve, whether that be a deficiency or some type of symptom, and we can use different forms of supplements to work towards homeostasis. Mm-hmm. I think there's another huge piece of, well, a couple, a couple other huge pieces of supplements and taking supplemental things because there's a number of different things like I think a lot of people who are listening to this are going to be wondering about like performance supplements Mm -hmm. things you can be taking to improve performance and um, even I've got on my little list here um, we'll get in we'll get into that 
later, but what's the difference between just take performance supplements, for example? What kind of, is there a different way to think about a performance supplement as opposed to um, something else, I guess? I don't know. There's a lot there. Yeah, I mean, I think I know what you're <clears throat> asking. Um, that's something that I'm that I'm just learning as I was kind of studying to even prepare for what I was going to try to do this year is how are some of these supplements coming from that background that I had of, you know, you only need to take a supplement if you're not getting it in your diet. Mm -hmm. and you know, I need to take it if you're deficient in it because it's not, not going to be beneficial to you. Um, that's kind of what I used to think. So all the supplements, you know, like the creatine and um, different amino acids and um, branch chain amino acids and, and other kind of performance-based supplements, um, none of that stuff, uh, I guess I'd, I didn't, I would have said you don't need any of that type of stuff. You should be able to get that, get that from your diet. But now, um, just kind of reading through some of the research and, and other guys that I would trust that are also reading through the research, there's a lot of, there's a lot of studies that show when you're taking those things that performance definitely increases. Mm -hmm. Um, now why that's the case, I don't, I don't know. Um, I would th think the reason that's the case because maybe we've been wrong about what our bodies actually need, or we've kind of got to a point where people are trying things that people have never tried before. So now those people that are trying that need more of these things. So I would still say it's probably like a deficiency somewhat. Um, but the kind of the normal person who's just trying to be healthy and, and, and function uh, on a daily basis, their requirements for these particular nutrients are going to yeah. be less than somebody who's trying to perform really well at something. Right, right. So I guess thinking, thinking on the extremes. So thinking of a bodybuilder, you know, they're trying to do something with their body that is not necessarily just functional daily living. Right. You know, so it requires something more than just a functional daily living lifestyle and diet. Right. You know, uh, but what you're saying is even, even the, you know, whatever I'm coining this term, functional daily liver, functional human, you're saying even that we can maybe use some of this extra stuff. Yeah, I mean, I guess based off of your performance, you know, if you're, I guess there's not really a, it's normal, functioning normally is, is a relative thing. I guess it's kind of what you're really wanting to function as um, is going to determine what these type of nutrients stuff, how many, or how much that these nutrients you're going to need. Yes. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. And I guess I was kind of separating things in my head. I was thinking about physical performance. I think a lot of the other stuff is also like mental performance. Yeah. So it, it really is uh, performance kind of wraps that up fairly well. Right. Um, okay. Before we get way off into the weeds, what about those two things and how they work together? So supplements not necessarily supplements, but if if one side of this is we're taking extra things in to help us be at a in a in a better state, but then we also have all these different things that could potentially help with a certain type of performance, what if those things are 
ultimately hurting us in our overall health. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that we don't necessarily know because, as you referenced before, supplements are pretty new, recent. Um, so a kind of a longer-term study, I don't know that people have have studied that enough to know if, you know, if I go really hard with trying to accomplish something from a performance um, perspective, like bodybuilding, if I mm -hmm. try to grow as much muscle as possible, and I do that with, um, you know, I guess extra nutrients than what would be typically required, um, that might help me perform really well in the short term, but what is that going to do to me long term? Yeah. I don't think we, we actually know. So I would say this is, and I know we've done a podcast on like eating for performance or what, mm -hmm. what do we do? Eat, that, eat for Just performance, performance eat versus for health. Yeah. Yeah. So in a, in a way we said that, that they're the same, right? If you're, if you're healthy, then you should be should, performing well, should be the same. but then you can go over and above, you know, just what would be typically considered healthy and perform really well. And I would say short term, you probably are in a good state of health, but can your body sustain that for a long period of time? Um, I don't know that, that that's been studied well enough to say yes. Well, I think there's some simple examples that I just off the top of my head. So if you are, let's just say an ultra endurance athlete, and I feel like this is a, not an uncommon story. You're an ultra endurance athlete. Your diet looks like very, very high carbohydrate. You are basically just constantly burning sugar in mass, mass, mass amounts. Um, supplementing with things like, I mean, they're, they're literally sugar supplements, essentially. Yeah. Um, you live that lifestyle for a lot of years. You look, you know, super thin. You've got a lot of musculature showing. You can do these crazy things with your body, but then all of a sudden you've got cancer. Yeah. That's that's a not an uncommon story. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I feel like that would be one way where you're probably supplementing in a way that's pushing your performance in harming your health. Right. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think <clears throat> that kind of extreme example would be a good one. Um and the bodybuilder thing might be another ex extreme example. Cuz they're doing similar stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. crazy amounts of protein, crazy amounts of sugar trying to build musculature rather than just right. burn and it. And a lot of those guys die from kidney issues, um, which because there's so much protein going mm -hmm. through their body. Mm -hmm. Kidneys get taxed too much. So, again, that's kind of the, the main thing that's happening is when, when you're kind of going over and above, specifically with these performance-type supplements, if you're taking in too much, it might be part, I guess, parts of your body might be receiving those nutrients and you could be performing well, but then other parts of your body that are that are needed to kind of get rid of what your body didn't need, mm. if those are being just overtaxed, just overworked, yeah. then yeah, that you could be a there could be a net negative there um over the, the course of the long term. So Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I feel like that's a good foundation. Uh, so then I guess just to add to that, like you have to decide what you want, really, you know? So sure. there's no, like, you sh so you shouldn't take those performance supplements because that might end up down the road, you know, bad things happening. 
um, if you're okay with performing really well for a period of time and then maybe trying to save that later on, trying uh -huh. to heal from that, uh -huh. um, or just being okay with dying early or having to deal with some sort of serious disease. I yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, okay, so... I think I can hear that phone. I don't know. There's quite a few people in and out watching here. Um, I guess we could ask them. Huh? We could. Let's talk quality. So, I think amidst that question of can we have performance with health, I think quality plays a huge role in if you're going to be prioritizing performance, for example, uh, that can be done in very unhealthy ways simply because of this quality factor, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, w what is quality in supplements? What like where do you start that conversation? Well, I mean, so a supplement's going to start with a <clears throat> a raw material. So whether those are coming from what would be considered natural sources. Mm -hmm. um, or whole food sources, or just even s synthetic sources, which without getting into the whole details of what that means, it's, that's developed in a laboratory. Mm -hmm. um, so you want those particular raw materials to be as pure as possible, right? Because there is some processing that's done in all those three different forms. So there requires additional things to be added, to be extracted from whatever the raw material is. Mm -hmm. Um, so anytime you're processing, then that's going to has has a potential to add impurities to to whatever the end product is mm -hmm. is going to be. So what I recommend is uh, finding a, a supplement company that is well trusted in that they're using third party um, to check their supplement third parties to to check their supplements that they have the certifications. Um, like the National Sanitary Foundation certification is one of the main ones. Basically, that's going in and looking at does their facilities, is their facility sanitary, are the products that they're using clean, are they not using, you know, old products that have been there forever and, and have built up molds and different things like that, um, that these companies are actually being checked and then they're checking themselves and then they have these third party that's, that's checking them. Um, everything, all that just to make it the end product is as absolutely pure as possible. Now there's some companies that would do all that, but then they're adding in stuff that we would say is not pure. Sure. Anyway, they're so adding the, in so fillers the, and the, the process is clean. The ingredients are not right. So they're adding ingredients that, w that we wouldn't necessarily say are, are, I would say are toxic, I guess, in some right. form of, um, so something you shouldn't necessarily be ingesting. So there could be claiming whole foods. They could be claiming natural, but you know, they're adding in something that they whole foods plus <laughs> whole foods plus. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, you get to what I guess quality would be, um, how well is the particular product going to be absorbed by your body? Mm. Um, because taking a, something that says vitamin D on it is different than your body actually absorbing something that says vitamin D on it. Um, so there's a bunch of different things that go into your body's ability to absorb the product. Um, but 
if there, so there's basically what's called whole food processing. So that's the vitamins coming from the whole food. There's some companies that use whole foods for some of their products, but then there's um, some synthetic forms, but then they're trying to use the purest ingredients for that particular thing. And then there's those companies that are not whole food or don't even care about the pure ingredients and they're just putting something in. And that, those are the ones that you're typically finding at a very low cost because it doesn't cost a lot to make sure. impure vitamins. Um, so when you're getting those low cost ones, most likely your, your body's not absorbing. They're probably not coming in the, the dosages that your body would need to even benefit anyway, but then they're also hmm. most likely not absorbing what's on the bottle anyway. Yeah, because essentially, essentially all, I, will, I won't say all supplements, but most supplements are around and are available and, you know, people want them because it's essentially taking something that's available in whole foods and really, really condensing it and having this super concentrated dose of something. Yeah. So, you know, rather than eating whatever, 20 bell peppers to get a certain amount of vitamin C, it's like you can take this one pill and have all this stuff. Right. Right. So that's where kind of going back to what I used to think about vitamins is I used to be all about the whole food, you know, based supplements. And I would say still am. I would say that's the best form of a supplement. Mm -hmm. um, again, if you're thinking in the way that this supplement that I'm taking is just in addition to me eating a, a quality diet, um, because what those are is that's just, well, there's, I think there's three forms. There's just regular vitamins that would be some form of synthetic vitamin, and then they they add them to whole food ingredients, and then they could say that that's whole food supplements. Another way is that they actually take the, the a vitamin and they um, put it in like a liquid form of yeast, and it grows on the yeast, and then they kind of dry that out so that the yeast dies, and then they got a whole food supplement there. So that doesn't sound, <laughs> that doesn't sound <laughs> the look on your face says that you wouldn't want to be taking that particular form of vitamin. That's actually a lot of the whole food supplements that are out there. Really? So yeah, so the problem is, is that when you make that, the yeast is taking up a lot of the room there, so you're not really getting a, a high concentration of vitamins. Plus, if there's anybody that has sensitivities to yeast issues, then that that would be something you wouldn't want to take either. You want to name drop uh, one of those? Do you know? Uh, not off the top of my head. Oh, okay. um, the first one would be something like the standard process. If you've heard of that before. Yeah. Those are the ones that take what would be considered regular vitamins, synthetic vitamins, and they add whole food ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know the other the other one that I just referenced. But then the last one would be straight, just dried out whole foods um, and they add them to a capsule or right. whatever. So that would be kind of the most, I guess, natural in alignment with our philosophy of just, you know, whole food, real food. That's what we want to be ingesting just in a vitamin form. The problem with that, and this is kind of why I've kind of went over to more of still being okay with some forms of synthetic vitamins is you're not really getting a ton of vitamins or minerals or whatever the nutrient is from those whole sure. food supplements. So it's really no different than eating eating food. You're just taking them in a supplement form, mm -hmm. um, which is why if you're just, again, eating a quality diet and then you just are adding a multivitamin or whatever the particular nutrient is, then most likely that's going to be fine. But if you're somebody who is 
in a really bad position right. and you're really deficient in a nutrient. You really need to dump stuff in yeah, there. Yeah, taking a, just a whole food-based supplement most likely is not going to do too much for you. So that's why I've kind of went away somewhat from the just strictly whole food-based mm -hmm. supplements. Um, so Garden of Life would be a, that's a whole food-based supplement. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of good quality um, products. Um, however, they just kind of sold out to some bigger company. So I don't know if that's going to be changing or not right. soon. But as far as I know, they still have a lot of good quality supplements. So I don't know if I explained that well enough, but there's a difference, I guess, in somebody who is should be getting all their nutrients or most of their nutrients from the diet that they're having. But unfortunately, just because of industrialization, most of the food that we're eating is not full of these nutrients right. that they need. Right. So then they're taking a whole food supplement, a good quality whole food supplement, again, that has a trusted company, has all this third-party certifications, um, then that's going to be fine. But if you're somebody who wants to perform really well and needs kind of over, over and above what this kind of what would be considered um, what the government would recommend you take every day of these particular supplements or if you're somebody who's in a really bad spot and needs to get healthy most likely just the mm -hmm. whole food stuff's not going to be enough for you yeah yeah okay so let's go this route what would you say and maybe this is like asking you personally or just healthy human exhibit a what would you say is stuff that you could pretty much take most of the time on a almost daily basis what like what what are the top things that you're you would have you know somebody consider yeah um so Probably three to five, I would say, are the most important. Vitamin D would be 100% the most important taken in supplement form because, again, majority of the vitamin D that we are supposed to be absorbing is through the sun rays, and nobody's really doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you, would, you would have to at least be out in good sun for half an hour to 45 minutes, I think is what most people believe, almost completely naked every day don't know many people who are doing that hmm. so that's what you would get enough sun rays to absorb it to be the equivalent of about four to five thousand IUs which is how they measure vitamin D um, of vitamin D3 the actual um, usable form of mm -hmm. vitamin D mm -hmm. in, in our bodies so that's the one because you're not doing that especially in the winter time and where we live in, right. in the Midwest, um, that's not happening. In addition to that, because it hasn't been happening for so long, most people's vitamin D levels are extremely low. So here, so here, that's this is one of those examples of there might be something that would be just kind of baseline. We're way below baseline. Right. So I think that the recommended what they call RDA um, amount of vitamin D. What doctors would say, this is where we want your vitamin D levels to be at, would be around 30 nanograms per mole. Mm -hmm. If you go below that, then you're going to be susceptible to um, different bone issues. Um, rickets is one of them, which we don't really see um, a lot anymore. Um, most people are around that or below it. You know, I've seen people in the teens. I've seen people in the low 20s. 
and those most likely are the people that are really sick. Um, but other people are anywhere from 35 to 40, which would still be above that, what they would consider um, sufficient level. Um, but a lot of research shows that if you if your immune system wants to be strong, mm-hmm. if you want to prevent cancers, even autoimmune type diseases, <coughs> excuse me, they're starting to find out so much more about vitamin D and what it does for our body. Um, so they're, you know, even brain issues, gut issues, skin issues, all this stuff is related to vitamin D. Um, so they're saying 80 to 100 nanograms per mole is really yeah. where you want to be at. So if you go to your doctor and you're at 40, 45, they're going to be like, you're totally fine. You don't need vitamin D. Right. It's it's the question of are are you avoiding disease or are you actually thriving? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so in order to thrive, I would say you need to be around that 80 mark. And that's going to be different for everybody, I think. Um, but around the 80 to 100 nanograms per mole of vitamin D. So when I see somebody who's in like the 30s or so and I want to get them up to that level, um, I typically go 10,000 IUs mm-hmm. every single day for about 90 days mm-hmm. and then recheck. Mm-hmm. So again, that's how much vitamin D it's going to take. You're not going to get that from, you know, drinking milk that's fortified with vitamin D every day. <laughs> so you need something therapeutic there yeah. to actually be able to absorb that. But because, um, you know, you could either do that and get it up there and then go to more of a kind of a maintenance dose, which would be about 2,000 to 4,000 IUs a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people are just way down from that. So that's what they're taking every day is, is some form of vitamin D. So to kind of stay between the therapeutic dose and kind of a maintenance dose, I usually recommend 1,000 IUs for every 25 pounds of body weight. So 100 hundred pound person would take 4,000 IUs every day. So most people are going to be around the four to five, 6,000 IUs a day. Um, next one would be omega-3 fatty acids. Um, one, two. What's that? Num- yeah, number two. Number two would be omega-3 fatty acids because our diets, um, again, this is a deficiency thing. There are these things called essential fatty acids, which means our bodies do not make them on their own, that they need them in their diet. Um, those are omega-3s, omega-6s, omega-9s, omega-7s. There's all these omegas, but the two most important are the omega-6s and omega-3s. And there's this ratio that they need to be at in order for our bodies to be at homeostasis. If you get out of side that ratio, then your body becomes inflamed, and then all kind of other issues can start to happen. Um, so the, that ratio is anywhere from one to one. So one omega six to one omega three to four to one, four to omega six to, to omega three. And so if you eat like a naturally, like a wild, um, something you hunt, like if you hunt deer, that's mm-hmm. eating what it's supposed to eat, then that's going to be anywhere from that one to one to four to one wild caught salmon, one to one to four to one grass fed beef, one to one to four to one. That's what you want to be ingesting. Most things that we eat are high in omega-6s, like vegetable oils mm-hmm. are pretty much all omega-6s. Mm-hmm. Um, the cows, the meat that we're eating, because they're eating grain and not grass, when they test their omega-6 to omega-3 ratio, it can be anywhere from 20 to 1 to 50 to 1. So then when you're eating that, it's like taking a ton of omega-6 mm-hmm. pills, you know, to, to, to 50 omega-6 pills to 1 omega-3 pill. Yeah. So you're just throwing that ratio completely off. So what do you what do you do to bring that ratio down? Of course, you would add omega-3s to your diet and decrease the amount of omega-6s that you're eating in your diet. Yeah. So if you're eating totally wild-caught game, 
grass-fed beef, wild-caught salmon. You're not eating any of those vegetable oils. You're not eating a lot of um, even grains can make that omega-6 ratio go off. Yeah. Um, then most likely you wouldn't need that, but I know most people don't eat that particular diet, so that's why you'd want to take a omega-3. And omega-3s are pretty easy to get in that whole food-based um, supplement. You don't need a really super high therapeutic doses unless you have something, you know, that you're really trying to heal from. Yeah, what are what are some symptoms associated with that? Just just inflammation? Or? Yeah, anything infl- inflammatory. Um, obesity would be a huge one. So if you have an inability to lose weight, mm-hmm. um, that could be just because there's inflammation in your body, um, specifically around the cell um, membrane. So our cell membranes, every one of our cells has a layer of fat around it. Um, and those are made up of these essential fatty acids. So if you have the wrong ratio, then those are going to be inflamed and, you know, you're not going to be able to get rid of toxicity. You're not going to be able to bring that inflammation down and most likely not be able to lose weight from that. So skin issues, gut issues, um, joint issues, all that stuff is a lot of that ratio being thrown off. Yeah. So it's like if, if that's the thing you're dealing with, step one reduce the toxicity of everything you're pouring in that's High causing that yeah. and then let's increase this deficiency or make up for this deficiency and right. try to balance that back out yep. S- step one is let's get rid of the cause <laughs> third one would be magnesium oh okay. so magnesium is a mineral um, and the reason this is, is because a lot of people are deficient in magnesium because, you know, it should be coming from a lot of the plant foods that we eat. Mm-hmm. And just because of the industrialization of our farming and how we grow foods now, a lot of the minerals have been depleted in the soil. So we're not necessarily getting high amounts of that in our, in our diet. But, and this could change, this could, as we research more and more about these other minerals and, and vitamins of what they do in our body, but right now, magnesium, I would say, is second behind vitamin D as far as how much your body needs it. Um, there's like 400 different functions that they know of that require vitamin D in the body or require magnesium in the body um, for your body to function normally. And so because of that requirement from the body and because of how depleted our soils and stuff are of these things, magnesium is, is a huge thing that people mm-hmm. need, to be, need to be taking. So, you know, again, if you're eating a lot of plant foods and they're clean, they're from good soil, they're organic, local, then you probably don't need it. But since we, that's hard to do, Kay. taking magnesium would I'm, be I'm, another one. I'm taking a step backwards. The omega-3s. Yep. Fish oil, for example. Like, that is a very, I think, pretty well-known thing. Lots of people will even, you know, get that recommendation from, like, their MD. Um, It seems like that has completely come about because of the the diet that we're eating. Yeah. Like, the fact that that's, it's it's so popular and so well-known is, like, there's this, there's this, big big issue i mean well sh- shoot i suppose both of both of them we need vitamin d because we spend all day in here yeah we need 
omega-3s because we're eating so much fried food and everything's cooked in terrible oils and mm-hmm. like number one, number two, and I suppose, yeah, I suppose all of these, but it's like it's it. The reason why we're seeing these things as so important and so necessary is because of this step one, where our daily lifestyle is at. Right. Yeah. So if everybody would just get back to restoring human lifestyle and maybe some of the stuff could be minimized, right? But the omega threes, I guess something we didn't hit on. If we go back to the quality. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 Most omega threes are, they start in a form. Um, so how our bodies would utilize mega, omega three would be, in its triglyceride form. So that's just a, you know, whatever scientific name for a fat. Um, but to make omega-3s, they have to use this other form and extract that, extract this other form from whatever they're extracting it from. And then they have to convert it back to this triglyceride form. That's an extra step, which costs money. Mm-hmm. So most supplement companies don't do that. So mm-hmm. the supplement that you're, when you're ingesting your omega-3, most likely it's in this, what's called ethyl ester form. Your body doesn't do very well at absorbing it, so you're most likely not getting the amount that it says on the bottle of the omega-3 fatty acids. So either buy the expensive one or take a lot more of the cheap one. So yeah, if we just if that was only the only problem. <laughs> Second problem is with this ethyl ester form, it's a lot more um, susceptible to oxidation mm-hmm. or going rancid. Which means, um, so again, we've referenced this before, like when avocado turns brown mm-hmm. from the color of the, it usually is a green, that's, that's it's went rancid, it's been oxidized. Um, so no longer is that in the healthy state that you would want to be ingesting. So that can happen with omega-3s because they are a polyunsaturated fat, which makes them susceptible to the issues, That's a, um, to these rancid issues. So that's a big issue reason why the vegetable oils are unhealthy for us because they go rancid they get oxidized and and create free radical damage in our body so you might be the particular omega-3 supplement that you're taking even if you bought the cheap version and took a lot of it you'd be taking a pretty much a lot of rancid fat that's all you'd be doing so it'd really be no different than eating a bunch of vegetable oil so completely avoid the cheap fish oil completely avoid the cheap fish oil so then there's some companies that um, do that extra step, but they only do it in a way that it converts about 50 to 60% of that ethyl ester. So you're getting some triglyceride form, some ester form. Mm-hmm. So it's better, um, but it's not uh, going to be fully absorbable by your body and it's not going to be, uh, you're still susceptible to the rancidity. So looking for something that, I mean, yeah, it's going to be tough. What do you look for? What are you, brands or? Well, that's one of the reasons why th- when I was looking into Designs for Health, the company that I use in my office, because um, I knew fish oil was the big thing, one of the big right. things that I was going to be recommending. Right. They have this special process that they go, do go with that extra step, but then they are able to get 90, so I, they claim 100%, but I doubt it's 100%. So <laughs> anywhere from 90 to 100% of the, from that estyl form back to the trislide from. So mm-hmm. you could be taking it, you should know that you're absorbing it, but you're also getting it in its purest form. Um, it's not going to go rancid. So when you take it, you shouldn't have like the burpy stuff that happens. If you've taken fish oil, you're burping up fish. That's most likely rancid fish oil. Gross. Yeah. 
what's what's the other big big name one? So the stronger, faster, healthier that I use the protein. They have a they have a omega three supplement. I've never tried it. I've never really looked into it, but yeah. But what's the uh, Nordic Naturals? Is that? Uh, so they most likely are the kind of middle 50, one of fifty percent. Yeah, kinda. get to the. They yeah. would go on be on that first step, but yeah, getting to a hundred percent. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, cool. Uh, so where are we at? Vitamin D, fish oil. We said we went to magnesium and went back to fish oil or what, omega three, whatever. Uh, you you say five? What's number four? I said three to five. So those are probably the three main ones. The other two that I would add in there would be like a, a probiotic. Um, if you're not eating, if you're not eating fermented foods, if you're not, you know, so that's like kefir and. Um, kimchi and sauerkraut and drinking kombucha and all those different things mm -hmm. um, taking a probiotic but they're starting to learn more and more about that too that it's you know if you're taking the same probiotic over and over again that you're just basically potentially growing those particular right strains and there's and a bunch of different strains that we don't know about so it's still good to take one but you still sh it's not like i can just take a probiotic and never touch dirt or mm -hmm. never touch an animal mm -hmm. or you know never be outside and never um, eat kimchi and all that stuff. You still need to be doing all those things. Yeah. You know, so getting as much bacteria in you as possible so the diversity grows. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, probiotic. And that, again, comes from our lifestyle because we've eaten so many foods that have been away from because of refrigerator now and, and, and uh, you know, preservatives and all additives and stuff that makes food last so long on a shelf. We're getting away from what we used to do as far as fermenting foods to – to keep them preserved and then we're not outside anymore you know we hate we hate germs yeah so we stay away from them well and and eating things and taking in things that are killing what we do have in our guts right right so that's if you ever get some sort of bacteria infection you're <laughs> or viral infection you're going to take an antibiotic for some reason um but antibiotics most antibiotics are used in the animal products that mm -hmm. are eaten so that's dairy that's um eggs you know chickens are given antibiotics the cows given antibiotics all those things are going to increase the amount of antibiotics taken in which is going to kill off that good bacteria that's in your body um yeah. so yeah taking a probiotic would be a good thing and the last one would just be some sort of a protein um and i've, I've traditionally just taken away protein I am starting to learn the importance of kind of taking more than that, kind of switching from whey protein to pea protein or to collagen protein or to they even got this protein now that comes from okay. um, blood. So they take out the, the immunoglobulins, so the parts of our immune system that are, that are healthy, um, or they take that out of the blood. To, you can take that in a protein form. I've tried it. It's freaking terrible. I can't do, I can't do the taste. <laughs> but then a beef protein. So there's a number of different proteins that you can uh -huh. take. Um, you know, I don't I don't necessarily recommend taking them all at the same time because then that would be a that would be pretty tough financially to do. But switching them off. But whey protein is the main one that I do um, frequently, and that's just because I think what I'm starting to learn more and more about protein. And uh, you know, there's this is. People are on both sides of this. Some people think we don't need very much protein at all until we get older, then we need more. Um, 
but for somebody like um, who's most likely our listeners who are working out, who are doing things to their body that are breaking down tissue, mm-hmm. um, and they want muscle on their body, taking protein in high amounts is most likely a good thing. So anywhere from 90 to 120 grams of protein in a day, um, I think is good. So it's tough to get in your diet. Right. So supplementing right. that and is good. And especially if you're doing other things, like if you are fasting, if you're limiting your eating window, only eating potentially two meals a day mm-hmm. or less, like, yeah, it's super difficult to take all that in. Right. Yeah. And for people with gut issues, it's hard to digest a ton of food sure. anyway. So if sure. you're eating a bunch of meat and stuff, that's going to be just taxing on their digestive system. So mm-hmm. supplementing with the protein would be a good way of getting absorbable forms of protein and uh, easier on that digestive system. Uh, tell me tell me what you're learning about the vegan protein stuff. Uh, what do you mean? Well, you mentioned pea. Yeah, that's just, uh, again, just switching off your proteins um, so your body's not... Any type, any type of food that you're taking in a ton of, um, especially in bolus amounts like you would get from a whey protein, there's a potential for your body to develop some sort of sensitivity to it. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking whey all the time, then there's you're just going to increase the chances that you're going to develop sensitivity. So I would say pea protein is not as good from an amino acid profile as a whey protein would be, but you're still getting a good profile in there. And it's it, a you're switching, you know, what your what the type of protein that your body's taking in. And if you're also eating meat and eggs, mm-hmm. like it's not like you're never getting that full profile. Right. As, as opposed to if if you are 100% vegan and you know these are the only types of proteins, nothing is complete. You know, that's a different story. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Vitamin D, omega-3s, magnesium, probiotics, protein. Protein. Those are your top five. Yep. And so just to kind of add something to that, the multivitamin. um, Yeah. I recommend a multivitamin to some people. It just depends on kind of their state of health. Um, Again, if you... (laughs) If your diet's really terrible, then yeah, take a take a multivitamin. Um, but you know, people who have to go over and beyond. So a great example of that would be somebody who's pregnant, right? They have to do more than just their normal mm-hmm. um, nutrient intake because they're growing another human being. So they would be one that would be taking a some sort of a multivitamin, prenatal type vitamin. Um, but that's I would say the other things are more important because if you are eating somewhat of a, a decent diet, um, a lot of those nutrients that are in a multivitamin should be taken care of in your food. Um, so it's not bad to take a multivitamin, but it's not I wouldn't say it's one of my top sure. top ones to be taken every day. Sure. Okay, I've got a, a couple other things I want to hit on. Let's start with this one. What uh, how much have you messed around with ketone supplements? 
Not a lot. I've taken um, the one from Designs for Health, the company that I use here in my office. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really noticed much from it, um, and I don't test my ketones to know if, we I, if we it's... should do that. Probably should do that sometime. Um, to know if it's uh, helping me at all. I haven't done it like consistently enough to know if it's like helped me with you know any sort of um, cognitive function or... Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've I've taken those. I haven't experienced any issues with them. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's the that's so I've done. Briefly explain the idea behind any any sort of ketone supplement. Well, I think there's a n- number of different forms of ketone supplements that I don't know a ton about. Um, but there's I think three different forms of ketones. The main one being beta hydroxybutyrate um, that you could take exogenously. So taken from the outside instead of your body making it so your body makes ketones just through breaking down fat and getting to ketones that then can be used in certain pathways of the body to for again cognitive function or um, just your body to use for energy it can get into the mitochondria and that's what you can burn for energy instead of carbohydrates Um, but you can take those from the outside to upregulate the amount of ketones that are in your body. So then your body would start to utilize those more, mm-hmm. prefer those more as opposed to using glucose, sugar for energy. Um, so you can, they've figured out how to make those into salts. They figured out um, how to just take it in an oil form, um, which isn't necessarily a ketone itself, <clears throat> excuse me, but it's close enough to it that your body only has to go through a few steps to break it down to get to a ketone. Sure. So that would be like the MCT oil or brain octane oil that. Right. Cause even does. as I'm even thinking about like, okay, <clears throat> if I'm, if I'm trying to be high enough fat to get, you know, to be satisfied and to have enough energy, it's like, I, a lot of times I'll need to add fat to a meal sometimes you don't really want to add a you know a ton of like whole food things so even something like i guess i'm thinking you dump a bunch of olive oil on and or mct oils or coconut oil or whatever like i guess in my head i'm almost even thinking of that type of stuff as supplementing just your regular diet yeah adding some butter onto whatever right the problem with those type of things is that I don't know enough about is when is that going to like, what are you eating that has the potential to trigger insulin Mm -hmm. so that if you were to use brain octane or as a ketone supplement and so that would just be stored as fat instead of utilized. Right. How those two things interact. Right. Because if insulin is high, then it doesn't matter what you're doing with the ketones. First of all, if insulin's high, your body's not producing ketones. Right. So if the insulin's high, your body's not going to use ketones either at least from what they know. So if you are just adding it to some sort of a meal or like that ketone supplement that I was talking about, mm-hmm. I'm always like, do I take this? Cause I'm about to eat soon. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which, which is kind of strange. Cause a guy like Dave Asprey, he will dump his brain octane oil on like sushi, white rice. <laughs> So I don't know what the heck's going on when you do that. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing there. I mean, I would assume that that would just be trying to kind of balance out the ratio of 
you know, if he's eating that rice and if he adds fat, then that would still mean that a higher percentage of his diet is fat instead of carbs. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know in the moment because if he eats that rice, it's going to trigger insulin. So he's not, from what we know about biochemistry, he's not utilizing those fats for anything other than being stored. Um, I mean, unless he's like super insulin sensitive to right. where right when that insulin goes up, it puts something, he puts the glucose into, or even maybe insulin doesn't have to get spiked, even the, what he's breaking down you from the rice, use it. using it right away. Right. So then he can use the brain octane, but I don't know why. I've seen, I've seen some people talking about that in, I mean, probably more in ultra endurance athletes and stuff and being able to consume upwards of like 100 grams of carbohydrates and just put it right to work and yeah. remain producing ketones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would think it's possible, um, but I don't know for the everyday person if that's something they want to be doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. What else we got here? Um, so, I think you would classify this stuff as, like, Eastern medicine. How does that differ from just, like, your typical whole food vitamins so if you're looking at things like mushrooms for example or um shoot i don't know different reasons to take these strange like root vegetables or things like that how how does that like what's the active stuff going on there that's outside of just vitamin d you know yeah that would probably get back to what i was saying with there's a kind of a we should take supplements for the reason that because we're deficient in it but then there's just also what they're finding out more is there could be therapeutic functions of these particular supplements so Mm -hmm. yeah you know the certain type of medicinal mushrooms or certain type of herbs or this would be or essential oils would probably come in right sure um those things are in yeah, more of an Eastern philosophy of medicine, they believe that you know plants are medicine or food is medicine, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know some sort of a pharmaceutical. Um, so they're taking those things not necessarily to maintain homeostasis or to keep the body functioning uh, you know, normally. It's something's wrong with the body, so they're therefore they're taking it to treat something, heal some, help assist in healing. Um, yeah, more of that sort of function well i've even i mean i've even seen there's a lot of people doing uh different kinds of mushrooms like in place of caffeine mm-hmm. you know and cognitive function and just energy or whatever and having a similar effect to something that you would you know normally supplement with caffeine for yeah there's all kinds of crazy things happening (laughs) yeah uh i don't know enough about that to what those mushrooms give you as far as from an energy perspective that Mm -hmm. would um you know replace a caffeine you know because caffeine what it's doing is it's stimulating your adrenal function to produce certain hormones and that's what allows you to kind of be more Mm -hmm. awake 
Um, so there must be something in the. But then I guess on the on the other side too, there's stuff that is going to help you like downregulate and right chill. Yeah, so I guess whatever's in the mushrooms has a potential to do the same thing, stimulating to the adrenals to produce that type of energy as well. Um, which, I mean, I don't know why that would be different as far as if they're saying that's a healthier way of doing it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But then some, I've seen that there's also stuff that's like coffee plus mushrooms. Have yeah. you, se- you seen any of that stuff? I think that thing that you guys sent the, me a picture of four, four sigmatic probably yeah yeah that's, they're doing all kinds of weird stuff um okay so that's just like a four shot espresso instead of a two shot espresso or something yeah, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh contrast pharmaceuticals with whole food supplements for me um so a whole food supplement again is has the nutrients so the the vitamins the minerals all the cofactors everything that maybe we haven't even identified in food that we that our body needs um and you're you're ingesting that so that everyday functions normal functions of the body um would work properly because you know, in order for our bodies to burn fat, in order for our bodies to burn carbohydrates, they need all of these nutrients to go through these certain chemical pathways. A s- pharmaceutical, most of the time, is shutting down certain pathways. So, like, let's just take something for pain mm-hmm. or an, an anti-inflammatory, so like a ibuprofen. There's pathways in our body that our body goes through to create inflammation because you've injured the particular part of the body. So there's these pathways that happen that bring immune system cells, that bring um, blood supply to the area, and that's why something gets inflamed. So if we don't want that inflammation, the only way that that happens is we shut down that pathway. That's what a pharmaceutical typically typically can do. Um, Or like for somebody who is um, susceptible to a stroke, they don't want their blood clotting. So there's pathways our body goes through to produce clots in the blood. So then they'll give them blood thinner. So they're shutting down that pathway so that the blood can't clot anymore. So that's just a couple of examples, but that's typically what's happening. Another one would be medication that I was on for my ulcerative colitis. Since it was an autoimmune, basically I was taking a medication to shut down my immune system. So because my immune system was somewhat overreacting Mm -hmm. to my Mm -hmm. gut lining, the medication was shutting down that immune system so that my symptoms were going away. So why side effects happen is because you're shutting down pathways that the body needs. The body doesn't just use that pathway to create inflammation at that particular level, or the body doesn't use that pathway to just use the immune system to tear up my gut lining. The immune system is required for a ton of different things, so that's why you're going to have side effects from taking pharmaceutical. And that's why you don't typically have side effects from whole food supplements because you're just taking in stuff that your body is already knows what to do with and your body requires for yeah. your everyday everyday functions. Yeah. And if you get too much, you're going to have some yellow urine. Yeah. So like for the for the water-soluble, so that's like vitamin C vi- and all the B vitamins, those are water-soluble, so that it just gets eliminated through mm-hmm. your urine. Um, the fat-soluble vitamins won't necessarily, that won't necessarily happen, can be converted from fat-soluble to, to water-soluble, but there's other processes that happen to get rid of those. Here's a here's a great analogy I'm thinking of. 
Say you've got a garden hose. Garden hose is spraying out water. The fact that it's spraying out water, that's our that's our symptom, that's our problem. It seems like most pharmaceuticals have the approach of, okay, we need to like come in from the outside and do something about this situation. Mm-hmm. Let's kink the hose. Yeah. Problem solved. No more water coming out. However, when that wears off, unkink the hose, water comes back. Yep. Or you continue to hold that sucker tight, pretty soon, back down the line, that's going to split somewhere else, yeah. creating some other side effect. Mm-hmm. As opposed to going to the source, shutting off the source. Right. C- fixing the cause of the problem. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, and it's, man, there's a lot that goes into what you just talked about, but there's the philosophy behind medicine, which uses these pharmaceuticals that you're referencing, that says that the body is, they wouldn't recognize the body as self-healing. They would to a certain extent, but they would think that what they can do to the body is definitely more powerful than the what, what the body could do to itself. And they see their their job is to stop symptoms mm-hmm. and to stop disease from progressing, to manage diseases. Mm-hmm. Their job is not to heal anybody. And partially because, you know, they maybe have educated us to believe that that's the right way to think about things. Yeah. But also, it's just that's who we trust for healthcare. That's who we trust to go and say, how if I am sick, what do I do? And... And most people's minds is getting better is just getting rid of their symptom. It's not getting healthier. Right. What's yeah. So we can't really blame some you know doctors for giving these particular pharmaceuticals because in some situations they're thank God for them because they save people's lives and relieve suffering. But they're also there because that's what the people want. They want to get rid of their symptom, mm-hmm. right? People have no understanding of hey, this could be I could heal from this. They just think if I don't have the symptom anymore, therefore I'm healthy. Instead of no, so this kind of <laughs> goes back to you just told me about somebody who was asking about um, Lynn and all the results that she's had, and everybody sees something like what Lynn has done, and they say that's what I want, right? So they want the result. They won't want anything to do with what Lynn has done to get that result, you know. So all the hard work, all the pain that she's had to go through to continue to push through and make this happen all the temptations that she's been through to that she's been able to avoid to keep this up for over a year now like that's the stuff that is required for the body to actually heal there's plenty of things that you could do to just get rid of all the symptoms that you have Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what even Lynn would say she used to be doing um, and it would help some but not help you know it would she would still have some of the symptoms but her hard work, her doing the work that has allowed her body to heal and get better is what's now ended up in this result that she has. Getting there is, I would say, what 90% of Americans at least don't want anything to do with. Yeah. They want the result, but not the work. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've got, I'm going to come back to her specifically. But 
you said like these medical professionals are like their job is not necessarily to make you healthy. Hmm. I've I've heard this from multiple people. Like so one was I don't remember who she oh my phone's over there. The most recent um Mike Metzel, whatever, the most recent lady he interviewed. I don't know if she's an MD or what she was, but you're talking about diabetes, talking about insulin resistance, and how she was getting all these crazy results from this low-carbohydrate, high-fat diet. And then taking these results and showing them to these people who are actually dealing with, you know, these doctors who are dealing with the people who are experiencing this disease. And once they actually can see this is what happens when you do this, this is the research, these are the results, they're like, oh, okay, let's, like, let's do it. It's, it's simply the fact that they're not, they're not trained to cure that disease or trained to manage it. Right. It's just, it's just mind blowing. Yeah. And then just all the CrossFit stuff. If you are like, you, you don't go to a medical doctor seeking health. They're not, they're not trained and equipped for that. A, 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 a CrossFit affiliate is trained and equipped to optimize your health <laughs> yeah i mean and again that's just a bit an understanding of our culture is you know when you're sick you go to the doctor and they've i think we're starting to starting to make a turn where people are understanding that the tools that they have to give you are going to get rid of symptoms but it's it's not going to get you healthy mm-hmm. um, and thankfully there are some really good doctors out there that are starting to not that they learned it in medical school but they're starting to learn what it means to be healthy and how to get there. And most of the people that I've seen, it's because they've got sick themselves and they've had to figure out how to get healthy. So then they're like, well, this is really what it takes to get healthy. This is what I need to be providing to my patients. So they've kind of moved in that sort of direction. But overall, the system is designed to have to say keep people sick. And that's because taking something that what we just talked about shuts down pathways that are normal for our body, that doesn't get anybody healthy. That gets rid of symptoms. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get rid. Of, doesn't get anybody healthy. So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, teach people health so that they don't have to go to get those particular medications and stuff. Um, again, not that if you need it, that you shouldn't take it because sometimes those things are absolutely necessary. But if we're doing stuff the right way, then we should minimize the amount of those type of things that we need and the amount of times that we need to see somebody who's giving those particular yeah. things. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Brag time. Uh, I asked Lynn this morning if I could uh, brag to my friends about her, and she said I had permission. So uh, if the next time you see her, you can congratulate her, give her a high five, slap on the back. She is officially lost 100 pounds. 
in the past 18 months. <laughs> it's freaking awesome. It's incredible. Uh, yeah, that's cool. That's, that's one of the, like, yeah, I've got uh, children and those are probably the coolest things I've ever done, but being a part of somebody losing a hundred pounds, that's like up there on some of the coolest things I've ever gotten to experience in my life. Yeah. And I would say that the 18 months might even be just as powerful because there's, there's people that have lost a hundred pounds in 90 days. There's people that have lost a hundred pounds in six sure. months, but to be able to, the, cause the hundred pounds is somewhat of just a, a way of measuring, you know, in a way performance, like am I with, is what I'm doing working, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. but doing the work is what is tough. And to be able to do that for 18 months mm-hmm. and have no signs of wanting to go back, that's what, that's what is awesome. Um, and, but I mean, that just kind of like somewhat proves it. If you do the work, you will see the results that you want. And that's what she's been able to do. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think next week, hopefully, uh, maybe Friday, I don't know, but we're going to do our first update with you. <laughs> see how, see how this, uh, road to fitness extreme fitness is uh going all right okay uh thank you folks if you got questions oh there she is right there thank you very much <laughs> oh, sorry lynn i i asked permission all these people are my friends i told them uh yeah if you got questions shoot them out uh comment facebook whatever that's probably the easiest way um yeah because it's like this was a big broad overview but we could probably go into any of those things much much deeper yeah cool all right see you